This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Monday, April 19th, and this is Season 5, Episode 32 of the Four Stars First Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week, we have Tommy. What's up? Sam. Hey. Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. And Christian. You do. Well, uh, there's a shit ton to talk about today, and I'm sure most people, if you're following Spurs, know that there is a, a lot of intense topics that we have to get into today. So our format might be a little bit different today. So we're going to break the ice today by just talking about the Jose Mourinho sacking. If you hadn't heard about it, that's how we're going to break the ice. Uh, we will then briefly, very briefly, talk about the Everton match because we've done a lot of talking about shitty Spurs matches lately and we have better topics to spend our time on today. So we'll briefly talk about Everton and then we will go into a lot of the Super League discussion uh, that'll bring us to half, and then we have two games to preview, one of them being the League Cup final. So what a tremendous amount of topics that we have to talk about. I'm excited and nervous about this, but I think it's more excited than anything else. It's, it's going to be an interesting conversation today. I'm glad to have you guys with me. So let's go right into it. So this morning, I think most of us woke up, rolled out of bed. Um, those of us that were up a little bit earlier caught it a bit earlier, but... Um, here in the United States, we found out uh, after rolling out of bed that Jose Mourinho had been sacked. Um, I think in as far as I was feeling at the time, I, I really thought that he was going to coach us through the League Cup final. And if we if he lost that, that he would be sacked or they would just let him go to summer and then sack him then. Um, I was a little bit surprised that it happened at this point in time with uh, two matches coming up and one of them being a cup final. But uh, what are your guys thoughts on this? Uh, Christian? Yeah, I mean, timing. The timing seemed crazy with that, right? I mean, there's a cup final coming up. Uh, He's been with us 17 months. But the more and more I've thought about it throughout the day after, you know, (laughs) picking up the phone to uh, a million WhatsApp messages from English friends, uh, it was, um, I don't think they want him to have any glory if we do win. And, uh, I feel like um, enough was enough and timing was just actually on Spurs side. It's time. Like it, it's over. We're done with this, you know, rotating this. We need something solid. Also, I feel like especially with Prem teams, they get these interim managers and they just show up for a little while because the squad is united. So maybe they thought, hell, this is best to go in there raw and, win a, a, uh, a trophy like that. I also have this feeling that Kane had words with Levy and was like, it's me or him. And uh, I just really, truly think that Kane was uh, done, completely done with Mourinho, thought he was a cancer to the team and said, if you want to keep me through, then you got to get rid of Mourinho. And Levy said, well, I got to keep the everything to serve. So... Timing shocked me at first. The more I've sat on it and thought about it, I'm starting to think that, well, 
maybe this is good timing. So, yep, uh, Lucas. Yeah, um, I think the timing, like I, I think, weird is an understatement. This is a guy we brought in for his ability to win trophies. Now, this scenario that we're in, being in a cup final, is nothing that other managers haven't been able to do. Pochettino could get us to the end of the race, but could he give us get us over the finish line? And that's what Mourinho was brought in to do, was be the guy that actually wins these cup finals. So I think sacking him six days before the cup final, the one thing he was brought in to do is get us, see us over that line. And we've seen it under Poch, how many times Poch could get there, and then Mourinho would be the one at the other side knocking us out. Like, this is the guy that knows how to win these games. And Mourinho being in there was the only thing that I was kind of holding on to in terms of playing City. I was like, hopefully Mourinho can have a Mourinho masterclass and that gets us to the cup. But I think what Christian talked on, like maybe like the thing about not wanting to have, see him have glory or anything like that. I think we could probably discard that because if there's one thing we know about Levy and the way he makes decisions, it's, it's all bottom line. Levy doesn't care about glory for Spurs. Doesn't care about glory for Mourinho. Levy cares about money and that's it. And I, I think that, Again, I, maybe we'll start to understand. I think what Christian touched on, too, with that Premier League teams having that bit of like a boost after they sack their manager, that's something we see all the time. Look at Chelsea. We all thought they were crazy for sacking Lampard and not really giving him a fair shake. And all of a sudden, they could possibly be winning the Champions League this year. So I think there is something to be said there. Um, we'll get into the different, the new regime and stuff like that. But I think for me, the the timing of this is weird. And I think the Mourinho legacy here was just unfortunate timing wise with with covid and everything i think it's just the best way to just sum up his tenure here was just unfortunate for everyone yeah let's go to tommy next yeah so i'll just give you my timeline i'm waking up around 6 45 just by myself without an alarm and i'm like usually go look at my phone of course and then i see a bunch of messages but didn't even really bother I just look on Facebook and I see that someone uses or Tottenham Hotspur statement. I'm like, we'll talk about later, of course, but I thought it was about the Super League. Boy, was I wrong. Um, my thoughts about it are, unfortunately, had to end. Um, for me, it, it's kind of like the uh, shitty significant other that you had and you kind of want to stick it out. Maybe it will turn the corner. Unfortunately, it didn't. And for me... Yeah, one would have assumed that the firing would have happened after the season ended. I think the re- the motivation for Daniel Levy clearly wasn't about the money because he would have waited until after the season, of course. Um, the motivation was, we got to nip this in the bud right now. This is the chance for a trophy. We haven't won, or the team hasn't won one in 13 years. Players have clearly quit on Jose, or at least a good majority, it feels like. So let's get this ball rolling right now. Um, and looking at the schedule, Leicester City's the last game on the schedule. But other than that, everybody else from what I saw was below the ta- below Spurs in the table. So in, I'm not saying we sh- we'll get Champions League, but this can bring some confidence into the next season. In theory, these games are winnable. If you can win run the table against uh, Southampton um, minus Man City because that's a final, but like, you know, Aston Villa, Sheffield United, et cetera. And Leicester City's end of the cities or at the end of the season, they might not care if their position is sorted out. And, and uh, if 
Brendan Rodgers is like, okay, we have our position sorted. Let's play some bunch of random players. We could beat them as well, which could get us into Europe, depending on the outcome. So I don't know. I'm I'm a little relieved overall, but just because it's been frustrating. I mean, we'll talk about it, but Wednesday and Sunday, they'll be kind of, you know, start Ryan Mason, and Chris Powell, they'll be starting from scratch. Yeah, and let's talk so, about that a little bit. Um, so uh, 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 it looks like uh, there's going to be a combination of Ryan Mason, who's currently uh, head coach of the under-18s, and then Chris Powell, who uh, is head of the academy right now. It sounds like they'll be doing some kind of dual responsibilities. We'll see how that plays out. Um, the Spurs have not kept off the table hiring somebody uh, at some point, but we're assuming that they are the two kind of writing the ship at this point. Um, and I think John asks us a question on this topic. So, uh, Tommy, can you give us the question, and we'll go to Sam first on the question. Yeah, I'm just trying to look for it. Sorry. Uh, there. Okay, so our friend John of the podcast with Mourinho gone, who would – the panel like to replace him. Sam, what do you got? So for me, I mean, I mean, I Julian Nagelsmann is the hot name right now, and he's someone I wouldn't mind. But realistically, I'm kind of thinking about what Antonio Conte situation is like in at Inter. Um, does he want to stay? Does he um, does he want to keep winning things? I mean, he's on top of Serie A right now. Um, plus, and the reason why I think of him is he doesn't stay anywhere too long. Um, he's been at Inter for three years, and he's really more or less a proven winner. He really jumpstarted the decade of success at um, at Juventus in Serie A. He um, was um, very successful at Chelsea, and now he's about to win Serie A with, with Inter. So I don't think he's likely, but that's who I would like to see uh, replace Jose. And that's an interesting pick. I think, uh, Lucas, you wanted to respond to that. Yeah, I mean, so to answer John's question first, like, I don't care. Um, I know it sounds depressing, but like, it's like I've said before on this podcast, like until the players leave, until we get new blood in here, it doesn't matter who you pick as the new gaff. Um, like Sam just said, Sam just listed the Conte traits and he says, uh, just jump started with all that success at Chelsea, success at in Syria. I'm like he basically just spoke about Jose Mourinho. Those were all things that Jose's done. So if those players ran Poch out, if those players ran Jose out in less than two seasons, two years, and a, a manager of his absolute prowess, like what? I mean, what does it matter? Who, who are you going to plug in if these players don't want to listen to Jose Mourinho? Who are they going to listen to? We might see like a a bit of success right off the bat. Like we saw when Jose took over for Poch, we immediately started to look a little bit better. So even with uh, like this new regime that we're going to plug in with Mason and them here for the next couple months, like we might see a quick bout of energy out of the glads, but then at the end of the day, it's like, it's still the same players. It's still Dyer and Sanchez back there. So. But um, I, I think at this point, and we'll go to Tommy next. Do we have to question whether it really is like if these guys don't want to play for Jose, then they're not going to want to play for anybody? It, it's clear that like Joe, th- these guys 
just don't want to play for Jose at this point. They I mean, didn't want to play for Potts either, though. That's my point. And if at the if, end, at the end, they did. At the end, play. yeah. But it's, um, it, but it's, it's Jose Mourinho. They ever wanted to play for Jose. But uh, here's I what I, think, I, I don't think he ever had the locker room. And but. I'll make this very quick because I want to give Tommy a shot here. But like Tommy and I were actually talking this morning. I said if the example I used was Arnold Schwarzenegger. If Arnold, if Arnold Schwarzenegger was in the gym with you telling you how to do bicep curls and tell him that your form's wrong, would you listen or would you say, no, nah, I think I got this? You well, listen. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's the same what? thing with Jose. Like, how do you not, how do you not take what he has to say and run with it? The guy, he's a proven winner. Let's hear from Tommy next. Okay, so I don't have a firm answer. I mean, I've seen rumors of Nagel commit, but I mean, he's probably going to go to Bayern. Rumors of Eddie Howe. People wanted him to replace Potch whenever he would have left. Uh, so, but he, <coughs> excuse me, um, rumors are he's going to Celtic. Um, I wouldn't mind Allegri coming in, but, he, but there's other questions that you need to ask. You have to ask the uh, – so, like, I mean, I wouldn't mind uh, Hassan Hoodle from Southampton either. Like, Scott Parker, I wouldn't mind him. Um, I mean, for argument's sake, like, I don't think Ryan Mason would be the best person, even because he's a U18 coach, and jump throwing him in straight away, permanent if he does well, that's a bad idea. Or Chris Powell, he's had experience with Charlton, Huddersfield, Derby, etc. but he kind of fizzled out there. So, like – Here's my thing. Whoever the person that is being interviewed has to ask these questions to Levy. Hey, what has he learned with, from Poch, firing Pochettino and Jose Mourinho? Does he have to be less meddling? Does he have to let, micromanage less, let the manager do their own thing? Or, and, like, another question is, what's he going to do to help the new manager? Like, is he going to support him in the transfer window? So, like, for example, if it's Allegri, for argument's sake, are you going to support me or am I going to have to deal with this mess? Or, or like, are you going to penny pinch for like, for example, with Bruno Fernandez, whether it be, you know, $5 million or David Villa, like David Villa said that he would have signed for us, but Levy was penny pinching with minor details. So I'm like, whoever we sign, like I'm more inclined to that Levy would hire somebody that is more, middle of the road that's been seasoned, but is up and coming kind of like what we have with Pochettino. But I mean, somebody that's been proven like Josie, like whether it be Allegri, you know, Conte, I see that less likely. Let's go to Christian next. I think you've been waiting to give your answer on this and maybe respond yeah. to Lucas as well. Um, I think that, uh, Answering the question, who would I like to see? Uh, Steven Gerrard. That's who I'd like to see. I'd like to see Stevie G. Uh, someone who can get the locker room. Someone who wants to make a name for themselves. I don't think it had ever happened. Uh, I like Nagelsmann. I, I think that vibe is right. I think that um, uniting a locker room, pushing um, uh, a young squad, Scott Parker, I like that shout as well. Uh, I think that's key. I think an, a huge ego and name coming into this club is not what it needs. And uh, I think it needs um, uh, unity. It needs, you know, real, true breakdown, build up, growth. Everyone's involved, not just someone coming in uh, with the iron fist and saying, my way is the highway. 
Um, unfortunately, I don't think that's the case. I think, you know, uh, Levy does care about his bottom line, but, you know, he also cares about status and uh, and maybe more than anything else. So I, I don't know if that's uh, the way we'll go, but I'd like to see um, true unity, uh, not just in the dressing room, but on the pitch and a building squad, some a squad that can really get together and and transform the way they play and, and how they are with each other. I mean, look at Leicester. I, I think it's just a great example of how Leicester in the past five, is six, five or six years are just such a unit. They're such a squad. They're so tight. And the way they're playing and the way they are reflects that. So that's the kind of thing I'd like to see. Now, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, on on my end, like uh, – I, I haven't really been able to decide who I want to come in, to be honest. Like I, I do like the idea of a guy like Scott pa- Parker. I think there's somebody from in the league might be uh, beneficial to us, somebody that knows the premiership a, a little bit. Obviously, we'll talk about whether that's still going to be a thing in the future. But um, but if all things remain equal, I, I think having somebody who has Premier League experience uh, has has certain a certain value. Um I was not sad to see Jose Mourinho go. I, I was really a supporter early on when he brought us into first place going into that Liverpool match. I was really high on the man, and I felt that it, um, that, that he was going to be able to lead us to – I didn't think we were going to hold on to the league, but I, I thought that he might lead us to uh, several cup uh, cu- cups that, that all seemed to fall apart other than this league cup. And even that seems like a long shot, uh, no matter who's coaching it. Like uh, City, especially now that they don't have the FA Cup to worry about anymore, they're only worrying about Champions League. It it makes them probably want to take this cup a little bit more than they did before getting knocked out of the FA Cup. So uh, I'm not sorry to see the back of Jose. I think he's caused a lot of problems at, at the end. I do think some there's what Lucas is saying with some player weaknesses there, but um, but I think we're ready to move on to the next chapter. And if if that's just like Mason getting us through the rest of this uh, season, that's fine with me. Um, and we'll see what we're going to do over the summer. But Lucas, uh, go ahead and respond. <clears throat> so I actually kind of wanted to talk on what Tommy and Christian each each what they said because it puts us in this really interesting and by interesting I mean horrifying position where. We have two ways that we can go now in terms of a manager. Like what Christian said, ideally, is the dream. You want to have some young, young, hungry, up-and-coming manager that wants to build this team unit like Poch did, where everything in that locker room was firing on all cylinders. Everything was togetherness. That's what you want, ideally. But this team is too broken. These players are too broken. It's it, it, You can't... like he wouldn't be able to do things his way because he's trying to repair this broken mess. Or the other way, kind of like what Tommy's saying, is there's you can go out you can get the experienced guy with a name. But any manager worth his salt is going to come in here being like, if Levy, like, what have you learned? Like, if Levy couldn't make it work with Jose Mourinho, like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, what do you, what have you learned? Because if I say, hey, I want to go get Hoybeer, that can't mean that, oh, it's also going to lose me Walker Peters. Like a regular team, a real high caliber team goes out and they buy a player. The way we do business and Levy does business is such a problem. So like a manager of high prowess coming in here 
is probably not going to want to come in here after seeing what has happened with Poch and happened with Jose. But a young up-and-coming manager might not be able to actually corral this locker room. So uh, it puts us in a really weird spot. I I think that we may have created a certain amount of mythology about Jose because of his winning history, but I think that it has started to taper off. And yes, the man seems to know how to win like a a simple cup, but he he hasn't been like a a top four uh, uh, coach for in the Premier League for a while now. He's he's usually he falling out. He he got United in the champion. Spot. I think they got him. In, he got him in second. And he won, him a, won them a European trophy. Yeah, but uh, won I Chelsea think, the league. <laughs> don't, don't you think that there's a certain myth, mythology that we're looking at that maybe that was the old Jose who hasn't left his uh, uh, defensive uh, plan behind? Uh, defensive plan will win you some trophies, even when you don't have that good of a team because you're. As long as you can structure a defense and keep it together, which obviously we can't do. Um, his plan had merit if he had us in first place a couple weeks before Christmas with this mess of a team. I mean, like, there's something to be said for that. Like, he is able to do these Jose masterclasses. There's a reason why they're called that. But and I, I think it's just, like, I think due to circumstance, the timing just was never going to work out. He, he was never going to get the time. Give him a money, give him a couple years. Yeah, it's always going to end in a fireball like this, but maybe we could have got a couple trophies along the way. Yeah, well, uh, well, let's hear from Tommy on that. He's got a quick response. Yeah, um, Anthony, like, I, in terms of Jose hiring, it's, I mean, I think the hiring was a decent, pretty good hiring. It just happened at the wrong time. But let's be fair. Whenever you hire anybody, it's what have they done in the past. Jose did have a good track record still. Um, he only lasted at United for, what, one and a half seasons? If you look at the work that he had, he did get two trophies. He got them in Champions League in second place or third place or whatever. So from the outside looking in, that's still a good haul from what he did, considering, I mean, if you just put Pochettino in there, put Pochettino's name in there instead of Jose, people would be like, that's a success. People expect was more that out of Jose. Was that roster though, Tommy, or was that um, like when, when you have that kind of United type of money? Does that be- benefit a Jose Mourinho, where like a team like Spurs is just it's just never going to work out with our budget? Yeah, I mean, well, that, well, the argument can be made that if the pandemic didn't happen, Jose would have had some money. Um, if the, like I, again with the pandemic, a million dollars, like. I think Lucas brought this up, but I remember reading, like, this was at least two years ago. If everything is at full capacity, Spurs would have made at least almost a million pounds before the game even starts because of concessions, stores, etc. So money would have been flowing in, like, they had Guns N' Roses concerts, they had the eSports, all this other stuff. Boxing. Yeah, and, like, all that money flowing in, qualifying... Yeah, continually qualifying for the Champions League and all this stuff would have been fine. Debt was restructured, so from an accounting standpoint, cash flow would have been there. And also, Jose would have not signed up. It'd be like I had to deal with the squad. He probably would, or like he, I'm more than certain that he would have said something along the lines of, "Hey, next summer, or I'll deal with this squad right now. Let's see what they got." 
but I want to ship these players out if I can. And then once the pandemic hit, Daniel Levy's like, hey, look, you know, worldwide pandemic, economy's not doing good right now because of it. It's at a standstill. We kind of have to slow our roll a little bit. And we're taking out a 150 million pound loan from the government. So because of that, a lot of it was bad timing. So that's why we had to sign Vinicius on loan. That's why we had to sign Bale on loan. If not, I think at least another, I would have, one would have assumed that two more permanent signings would have happened if it didn't happen or if it didn't go this way. And even, well, even Regulon's not technically a, he's still not technically like a for sure sign. He can get bought back. That's true. Like, so, I mean, we, we had to do a lot of fancy business with loans and, um, and buyback clauses this, uh, this past off season to, to bring in some significant talent, but, um, but that isn't sure talent to build a squad around. And that's, uh, th- that is not looking at longevity of the squad by any stretch of the imagination, which I think is what was probably trying to keep, Levy trying to keep some of the promise to Jose that he probably would, which yes, if the stadium had been open the full time without, uh, without COVID, uh, it probably would have been a lot more affordable to be able to provide him with what he wanted. And this was just a way like, okay, we can end run around it. We can get Gareth Bale on loan. We can get uh Regulon with this buyback clause that we might lose someday, but we have this talent now. Um, well, but Anthony, that's kind of another point to make. If you're signing Josie Mourinho, you, you're expecting a quick turnaround of results. Because, like, let's be fair, Man United, Chelsea, Real Madrid, like, Inter, Chelsea again. I mean, anytime he's made it since Porto, he's been at the club for, what, three, four years tops? We're not expecting this guy or him to be a Fer- Sir Alex Ferguson or somebody to be here that's long-lasting. Well, and I, but the thing is, how much do we make? And I'll go to Christian next. Like, how much do we make excuses for the the guy? Like, yeah, it was all the injuries last year, um, and then COVID hit towards the middle of it. So all that's not Jose's fault. But now, like this year, like oh, okay, he got us up into first place, and then it all comes apart at the seams, and then he loses the locker room fast. But it's not his fault. It's just weak players. I think there's a certain point where like we're we're we're, we're missing like we can't just make excuses for this man, especially well, when he's lost the locker room. Anthony, I know I'm a little biased. I'm leaning towards more Jose here. Not gonna lie, but I mean, let's look at the the exact opposite. I think a lot of people they already when they heard the uh, appointment of Jose, they're like, I don't want him. I want him gone. I want games to be lost so he can get fired quicker. Um, blah blah, and like people are still holding on to the whole Pochettino thing and to the memories that were just relatively recent. But I mean, yeah. that's my opinion. So I mean, you know, I know people will disagree with me, but oh well. Okay, well, let's go to Christian next, then Lucas will take it home, and we got to move on from this topic. Um, I, I just really quickly want to say that I think when you hire a Mourinho, you're looking for strategy that pays. And there was some strategy there, but it didn't pay off. It very quickly didn't pay off. And then it seemed like a scramble at a lot, a lot of points. And I think that's when people were like, okay, this strategy is outdated. It doesn't work. And that was my biggest problem. It's like you're expecting something from a, a Jose. 
he puts it into play, it clearly doesn't work, and then everyone's fighting against it. Yes, there's a timing issue with COVID, of course, but yeah, just it wasn't right. It wasn't the right fit. Go ahead, Lucas. I'm sorry, I forgot to take myself. Yeah, <clears throat> I was gonna say if, if anyone doesn't care, I was gonna tra- actually transition this into the Everton game. Um, because to your point, Anthony, you had asked, you'd said like, where did the, like where do we stop making excuses for Jose? And that's kind of where I am. Is I'm a very big believer that if there was time and there was no COVID, this would have been an absolute home run of a move. Um, and it's it's just something that I think it again just bad circumstances and that's what happened but at some point i have to start holding jose accountable and i think at some point in the last couple months because again we were flying high a couple weeks before christmas we were looking great and everything was just sunshine and roses and then it kind of went tits up a bit and then i think jose has found a way where his ego has gotten too big in these moments and if you look at bail I said to Tommy, we talked earlier today about how quick these things change and how the last 48 hours had been the most mental 48 hours in terms of following Spurs. You got Super League, sacking your gaff, you're in a cup final this Sunday. Like, it's insane. And I said, I remember the day before we played Arsenal, feeling like we were on top of the world. Like, if we won that game, we're back into top four. We have been flying high. Bale and Kane are scoring at will. And things were looking up. And then all of a sudden, we have the most embarrassing game I've ever seen us play at Arsenal. And then we double down on that against Zagreb within the next three days. And things just went completely tits up. And since then, we haven't seen Bale. Like, you can't tell me that there's no ego involved with why we haven't seen Bale. I mean, he was on top of the world killing it for us. He and Kane were scoring at will. Everything looked amazing. And, like, what, is Jose mad at him for how he played at Arsenal? Like, no one played well. We all played like shit at Arsenal. If you use that logic, you could probably sack Kane. Uh, like, I, I think to jump in there, I think it was more about, um, I, I think he was handed the uh, the Europa League as his competition that he was going to bring us home in. And when when we got knocked out of that with uh, Bale playing many minutes, I think that's where... But, uh, but so to tie us, yeah, tie us into Everton, yeah. I think there has to be ego involved because, look, we've played Everton twice now. And when we played them in the last bit in the FA Cup, it was the one that went to extra time, like the 5-4 shootout. Like, it was that, like, we all knew, we all predicted the scores last week on the pod where we all basically knew what was going to happen. This is an Everton team that can score, missing their top scorer, by the way, but they can score and their defense is shit. We are much better at scoring and our defense is shit. So why wouldn't we just go after them and say, hey, you want to score? We want to score. Let's see who scores more. Instead, it's like when we all saw that lineup, the three at the back with Dyer like, and Sissoko out there, like what did you think was going to happen? Like there's no way Jose Mourinho, if it wasn't, it, it has to be ego. There's no way he would just say, ah, you know what? I think this is the best lineup to go beat Everton. Like there's got to be things in play here that we just, he's letting his ego get involved. And that's why I'm like, you know what? It is time to move on. I, I'll defend Jose for a lot of things, but as of late, including this Everton game, it's just we all knew it was going to come, and we're a bunch of shitheads on a podcast. Like He's getting paid a lot of money to not make these mistakes. and He's getting paid he, even more money when he leaves these fucking clubs. Yeah, exactly. So he knows what he's doing, but I, I just I can't understand that lineup against Everton. 
Yeah, this baffles I, me. The, the Sissoko uh, was bad. Sissoko being in that lineup was bad. Lucas Mora not Lucas Mora not starting. That guy's been our best player for the last six weeks. That was the like, first. How thing. is he not out there? Yeah, that was nonsense to me. Like, if we want to win this match, um, for a team that we're competing in similar parts of the table, that we like, if we want even a chance at Europe this year, like uh, we we have to win this game. Um, but nope, uh, Sissoko is our op- uh, answer. Uh, it, it, uh, any other thoughts on this game? Like, I mean, I don't. Uh, I want to spend a little bit of time, but not too much here. Um, I mean, obviously, Harry Kane had his 27th minute goal. Um, the, there was the penalty in the 31st that that uh, equalized things. Uh, um, I'm sorry, no, the 31st minute was a go- uh, the, the answer goal. The penalty was a 62nd minute for uh, Everton, and then uh, we, uh, Harry Kane had his second goal in the 68th on this one. Um, Everton had uh, a lot more shots, uh, 18 with seven on target. We only had 12 with three on target. Um, I, I think that tells you something when we're, I think, pretty comparable attacks. I, people at the pub that when we were watching it were saying that these two teams are uh, kind of mirror images of each other right now with the way they're, they're playing. And, and I think you're right, Lucas. If we had come out after and just said, we're just going to score more goals. If we played uh, the way that we did against West Ham, even though that we let them get back into that game early the this season and just said, we're going to go out there and score more goals, I think we could have scored more goals. But if we're just going to um, get our goal, then, then defend the lead, um, this team's never going to be able to accomplish that with our shitty def- defense at this point. Um, uh, anybody wants, else wants to talk about Everton here? Uh, Christian, I just want to say that I think uh, Larice deserves a, a big shout out here because he really was the best player on the pitch. Uh, kept us in it in the first half. Uh, saved that possible game winner from King. I just, if we're uh, if we're doing man of the match there, I, I got to give it to Larice. I think he deserves a shout out. He played better than anyone else besides probably Harry, but yeah. And let's and let's just roll that into MVP LVP. I think this is a good p- point to go to that. So uh, Christian has a good chat with Larissa's MVP. Yeah, let's go to Lucas next. Yeah, um, real quick before I get in, I just wanted to bring up something that was because I brought it up in the group chat about Regulon and how he's been kind of a liability back there. And I think that it's just if Regulon had the game that he had, if that was Surge, everyone would lose their minds. Like, I think we as Spurs fans, we just jump in on, like, a player or two for a specific few moments, and then everything else is either forgiven or it's your fault. And, like, I mean, Regulon has, if you look at it, the la- he was probably the worst player in the pitch at United. Like, there's there's been a couple in a row now that he's been an absolute liability. And if you're not going to be putting in assists or chipping in goals or something, like, you can't be that at the back. We have Ben Davis that we can go have that. If that's going to be a defensive effort, like Ben can go do it. Like I think that we've we might need to look at Regulon in terms of like where this asset is. If Real Madrid want to come back for it for thirty five or forty five, the next if Kyle Walker in his prime went for fifty mil, and you're telling me this guy right now would be bought back for thirty five mil, I mean it's it's not far off. Like I think there's time. I think he could be a great player for us. So I'm not saying let's just jump ship on him, but that was my big yeah. takeaway from the Everton game was other than the lineup and the 
inevitable mess that we knew that game was going to be. But that was the other big takeaway was, was Regulon. Like, I'm really bummed about him. Well, I, I do think that there's a certain case to be made. Uh, I think Ben Davies may not have been available. I know he was. Oh, in no, the- no. Ben's hurt. Ben's yeah. hurt. I'm just saying, yeah. like, but, um, if you're going to be our starting left back. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think we had any other option but to use Regulon in this situation. But um, but I agree. He's been kind of he's not a very good defender. And if his attack isn't coming together the way that we saw when he when he first came to us and like we could see like, man, this guy's got something going forward. These legs are going to help us. Um, and we're not seeing that anymore. I have to blame some of that on Jose, though. I don't, I don't think we're, our our strategy is making the most out of a guy like Regulon, uh, to be fair. And I think we saw that in this Everton game. Like, if we're going to get our goal, then then sit back and defend our lead, then uh, Regulon's not your guy. Like, you want to get your goal, and uh, yeah, you'd be better off with. Uh, well, I was say, Regulon's the reason we didn't keep the lead. Yeah. Lead. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. let's go, go to MVP, this. LVP. Yeah. Um, yeah, Sam, do you have your uh, MVP? Yeah, so my MVP, I'm going to go definitely go with Harry Kane. Um, again, his effort is, for me, is appreciated, obviously. Um, two goals. Um, I had actually predicted him to – we would tie 2-2 and he would get the brace. Um, LVP for me is Regulon. Um, he's been great up until just a couple weeks ago. And to me, I – you know, he he could be fine if he gets, like, some rest. But at the same time, it's – I kind of think that the fixture congestion throughout the season has probably gotten to him. Um, I think a young player at this point, um, first time playing in England, may, that may be affecting him some. I, But, yeah, he's been disappointing, just like Lucas said. Uh, Tommy, let's go to you next for uh, just give your MVP and LVP, and then we'll go back to Christian for uh, the rest of his and uh, Lucas for the rest of his. Uh, yeah, I'm on the same boat as Christian for MVP. Uh, I'm saying Hugo Lloris, aka Fred. Um, I he saved our asses. I, I know Kane scored two goals and he did very well, but I'm like, you know, he's the only. I'm, He's the one that kept us in this game because the sh- shitty defense. Ronan did okay, but like Toby did okay, but like Dyer was shitty, Ori was shitty, uh, Regulon pretty shitty. Um, but at LVP, I did say Dyer. Um, he disappoints me yet again, unfortunately. So yeah, yeah, good shouts there. And um, I let's go to Chris back to Christian. You already gave us your MVP, but let's g- give us your LP- LVP. Yeah, I mean, uh, Regulon was bad, absolutely no doubt. Uh, he's definitely mine, uh, but Dyer was was Dyer as usual. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm always saying this. I think every time I've been on, it's back four is absolutely fucking us. We don't have a unit back there, and it's uh, it's a real shame. So, yeah, it's uh, it's probably Reggie, but with a close second with Dyer. Uh, and Lucas, you were um, were you MVP LVP when you uh, gave your... no? I just my MVP, no doubt Kane. Uh, with a shout out to Hugo, of course, and then LVP actually, as much as I would like to cut the back off Surge and cut the back off Regulon, um, to me it's going to be Sissoko. Like I, I just the 
our lack of midfield continues to throw our back four under the bus. I mean, we don't we know that these defenders aren't the best in the world, but I'm like, there's a reason that our defense isn't as bad as some of the other in the league, and we continue to give up two goals against Newcastle, two goals against whoever. Like teams that have such trouble scoring can automatically score on us, and it's it can't be because the back four is that bad. These are guys that are internationals like it's for me it's the midfield and Sissoko was a ghost and I could go all day on that but yeah Sissoko's mine yeah I mean I think you guys have hit on everything I need to say for this I mean I was between uh, Hugo and Harry for my MVP um I could flip a coin there um both were very important to this match um and uh, Dyer Sissoko and uh Regulon were all terrible, but I think I'm going to lean towards Regulon because uh, um, I, I don't I give him a free pass a lot just because I do think he's he's got legs, he's got some some talent there. There's a there, there's a player there, um, and I think maybe some of it's Jose was hasn't been getting the best out of this guy. I think we can get be- I think we can get better out of him maybe with a different style coach, somebody good at coaching young players and and less of an ego. Um, but, Who's uh, your MVP? Um, I, I said flip a coin, but we'll say uh, we'll, I'll say Kane. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to Kane over Hugo, but very close. Oh, sorry. Um, Sam, who, who's your MVP, LVP? Sorry. Sam had uh, uh, Harry, Harry and Regula. Thanks, Lucas. Gotcha. You were on mute. <laughs> uh, so... Um, any final thoughts on this match before we move on to like the big conversation of today? I think, um, no. Okay. So we have to roll into this. So, um, uh, Sunday, um, the big announcement came out about the, the super league, uh, uh, and you guys have probably been following it in more detail than me, but, uh, uh in short, um, some of the top teams in Europe have decided to uh, form their own separate league. This is rumored, and we've talked about it in the past on the podcast. Um, I think a lot of us thought that maybe it wasn't something that was going to become an actuality or some, it wouldn't be something that Spurs would be part of. Um, but um, it, it did come out that we were one of the five teams from England that were looked at for this separate league. And obviously the... Um, uh, all of the um, like UEFA's uh, reaction to this uh, uh, decision has been uh, um, uh, obvi- obviously frustration. I think the fans are not happy with this move in general. Um, it seems like a big money grab, but I'm going to let you guys set this up because uh, um, I'm sure you guys have a lot more to say about it than me. So um, I think Chris- Christian, you had your hands up first. So let's go to Christian first. I mean, yeah, people are super upset, especially in England. Um, uh, it's, uh, you know, the, the everyone's talking about it destroying football, basically. And um, uh, I don't know if that's the case necessarily, but uh, it's, it's definitely, I'm almost not surprised at it. I mean, you know, Lucas was talking earlier about, hey, all Levy cares about is his bottom line, right? That's what these clubs care about, the business side of things. And uh, what I'm hearing a lot of being a Spurs fan and growing up in England and, and having English friends, you know, come to me with why the fuck does Spurs get to um, be a part of this? You know, uh, I think what was the uh, 
Division Three football club that was like, well, we've won as many Premier League titles as Spurs, and uh, we're Blackburn. Decli- Blackburn. Yeah, we're declining the uh, the Super League, and it, like, it's just like it's not even that that bothers me as much as on one side of it. Why do UEFA and FIFA get to run football like a mob and have complete control? You know, okay, people want to break off and they want to say, we want to do our own thing. It's not going to destroy domestic leagues, but it's definitely going to have an effect on them. So let's take this scenario. Now you have six of the standard, pretty much top, you know, prem teams. Uh, Does this give a better chance for the other 14 teams to go to the Champions League and make more money if they're exempt from it. I, 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 don't, I don't understand um, exactly how the league is going to be set up. From what I hear, it's going to be a midweek game set up with home and away from each, so like a full league instead of a knockout tournament. But I still believe that maybe there's room for both, but... Banning players from World Cup and Euro and, you know, uh, other uh, competitions outside of that is just taking your ball home and saying, okay, no one can play. Because that's absolutely ridiculous, and I don't think that happens. But from what I'm seeing now, the English government is getting involved, you know, and and, that's that's crazy, too. Yeah, well, we're going to go to uh, Lucas next, but uh, something that you said there... um, and it was something that I've seen a lot of, talked about online, like, oh, well, FIFA's corrupt, so um, so so this league's somehow better, but isn't this just corruption in a different way? It's putting all the money into the top of the league. Um, but that, that that's just something I wanted to throw out there, but we'll go to Lucas next on this topic. <clears throat> well, yeah, so for starters, uh, Christian had touched on the fact that, like, yes, it could give certain teams – an opportunity to make more money in Champions League. Uh, that's a small window there. Look at this. Think about it this way. What American fan is tuning in to watch football in England if there is no Spurs, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, or Man City or United? No one. They're not. No one's tuning in to watch West Ham versus West Brom on a 6.30 at Saturday morning if there isn't, if, if that's like the headliner of the weekend. Like they're going to lose a ton of money those smaller clubs will suffer. And for that being said, we're going to suffer. We're going to go to this league and be the punching bag for this league. Like, oh, well, we'll make a lot of money. For who? I haven't heard one supporter that thinks this is a good idea. I haven't heard one fan that wants this. And if you're going to tell me it's not about money, like, you're out of your mind. Because, look, if, if the club can all address us and ask us, how do we feel about the Y word? So in something like that, they're like, let's let's take every supporter's opinion. Does the Y word offend you? How do you feel about that? Let's discuss that. But then when it's like, oh, no, let's let's go be the punching bag of a Super League and abandon everything we've done in English football for this many years. And it's like, ah, we'll just fuck that in the bin. It's not about the fans. It's not about the supporters. It's about making money for a select group of people. And that's not dollars that we're going to see. And we don't get to enjoy the trophies or the success out of that either. So I had a really good one today, Lucas, to to back that up, which was like, okay, where do you think you finish in the table of the Super League that now it's like, and we can't win England. And and that's the thing is people say, ah, but it'll give us so much more money to buy players. I go, what the players that don't want to be at those other 15 clubs that are better than us. Like, who are we going to buy? 
Like it, it's just ah, it's, it's absolutely asinine, and I'm already getting wound up. So this is gonna we're be just, well, if we're let's we're go gonna, to get oh, oh, it's gonna be quick. We're gonna get uh, whoever we sign, it's just gonna be scraps or a a random uh diamond in the rough. Let's be fair. But also in our group chat, Joe actually brought up a good point. Levy was doing it to protect us so we can keep up, keep up with Joneses. So I think the alternate theory was we might not do well in the Super League, but we can compete on other fronts, whether it be Premier League, maybe get some cups here and there, but I don't know, who the hell knows. Not, what, not if we if can't we qualify know, for those cups, though. That's the, that, that's the thing. They didn't think of the ramifications at the time, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say it's 2020. But um, but you're but, totally right about keeping up with the Joneses, though. That is what this play is for. You know, when when a bunch of you know big business companies you know unite, it's because they all need to kind of watch each other's backs, even though they're secretly you know stabbing each other in it. So, well, let's go to Sam next because I think he had his hand up and wanted to jump in after Lucas. So, so it's for me like this kind of. Really, you know, I've been a supporter for um, over 10 years now, and this almost, uh, this really ripped my heart out when I had first saw it. Like, it's, it's disappointing, you know, I feel like I'm losing, losing what I, something I love, like, the most, and I don't know if I could really be, you know, a fan, like if this really happens, um, I've talked with, um, I mean, obviously I'm part of the group chat with you guys. I know how you feel. I've actually talked with a few friends who are supporters of Barcelona and Real Madrid and they don't, they don't, they don't want to do it. They don't like it any more than we do. So, but and it's just really, unfortunately, it's just all about protecting bottom line. Um, and, you know, that in, in a time where, you know, the fans can't show up to the stadiums, they really need, I really feel like they need to be reaching out to us, like Lucas said, um, and how we, we would feel about with something like this. Well, and on that point, I think this is a good point for me to jump in. Like, if you look at what the the Supporters Trust is putting out into the world, um, I'm in uh, uh, Tottenham Hotspur uh, leaders, US leader, USA leadership groups. Um, Everybody is talking about how we can get behind saying no to this uh, uh, um, this Super League. Um, so I, I think fans are pretty united against this uh, for the most part. Um, in most of the cases I see of people that are supporting it are kind of the, this, yeah, this balancing of it and not, not, not to attack your, your point, Christian, which was a fair point, but there, this counterbalance of, uh, Oh, well, FIBA is so corrupt anyway. So what, why not uh, do this where we, everybody can make more money and then we can play the best teams in the world. But I, I, I think, I think the point is that that takes something away from the game. And yes, you can make the case that there's this, uh, the game has always been local and expanded that you started out with little conferences in England that expanded to the whole country, uh, championship premier league eventually. And, and that maybe this is just the next step. But, um, but I, I think that's a hard case to make when you're cutting out any moderate team 
like and only the most wealthy can sur- survive and even like the one the ones like us that are only kind of wealthy are um are looking at um <clears throat> just being the punching bag for everybody else that we're we're going to be lucky to see us win ever if we <laughs> if we're in this uh super league uh but uh Lucas you wanted to respond Oh, I was going to say, don't sell us short. We are extremely wealthy. We're an extremely wealthy club, and we have been for the last decade. Um, it's For me, it's, it is kind of what you just touched on. It's that arrogance. And it's the – I was looking at it today because I was actually watching the Liverpool Leeds, and it was – I think uh, – so at Allen Road, they had like a bunch of protests there. They had signs and banners up that said – football created by the poor robbed from the or robbed by the rich or stolen from the rich or something like that uh they had one that said prove it on the pitch um but it it did make me think it's like it's that arrogance like who the hell are us the big six in england i'm like arsenal first of all you're 10th so fuck off who are we 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 suck we just sacked their manager who are we to say we need to be in the super league liverpool they're in like sixth place like they can't be in the top four so there's a handful of us that are just like, ah, we're we're rich, we're powerful. It's like if there's a super league and it's all about merit, then we can discuss that. But it's all about money. It doesn't matter how good you are. It's, ah, well, what kind of money do you have? And it's just, again, I think it just destroys so much about, like, why do we as Spurs fans love the FA Cup? It's all special to us. Like, you get that, like, Man City fans don't care about the FA Cup. If anything, they've ruined it. And it's like for us, those domestic cups are important because of the past and that tradition. And it's, it's special. And like the whole thing with the super league, it's just, there's so much that we're going to lose by doing this. And I I don't see any of the upside, I guess is my whole thing. Like it's just, we're going to ruin a lot of our great tradition and for what? Yeah, uh, to make to make a select couple of people really rich. Yeah, no, I, I hear. Now, if I, I was hear, getting a, if I was getting a slice of the pie, I might have a different opinion. But yeah. I'm not seeing a dime. <laughs> well, I um I do want to. We have a couple questions in this topic, so I do uh, do want to move that uh, move, move on a little bit. Christian, you had your hand up, so I'm going to let you tackle this first. And if you, there's something you want to respond to me or Lucas, feel free to go ahead before you answer the question. But, but Tommy, uh, Kyle Mates gave us a question about the, the Super League. Uh, which one? He has two. Um, the, uh, the, the, the first one about being left out. Okay. Uh, if Spurs were left out of the Super League and the other five Premier League teams were in it, what do you think the fans' reactions would be? Yeah, I mean, I, that goes with actually what I was going to say anyway. <laughs> I mean, like, we've got we've to, gotta, like, you know, take the good with the bad here. At least we are in it, even if we are apparently going to be the punching bag, which I don't think is necessarily true. But I do think that this kind of uh, detachment and um, us moving away or everyone moving away was kind of inevitable just because of the way that it's going with greed and just how the rich want to get richer and I think we're just inevitably going that way unfortunately I don't agree with it but you know you think you said you know Levy didn't care about shit but his bottom line which is something I keep coming back to because this completely proves that as well I think most of these clubs don't so they're like fuck it let's make our own bubble and let's live in that 
But at the same time, remember, this isn't abolishing club football. This is pushing a mega tournament and a mega league on a different kind of platform, which which it might not be terrible. There isn't enough information out uh, of what it's going to be like and what the repercussions of it are to football. But for FA Cup fans, like Lucas said, yeah, this sucks. This is not what it's about. You know, that's it's completely the opposite. So um, I think if we weren't in it, people would be in way more uproar than the fact that we are. And, and fair enough, but um, if the the rest of the world doesn't recognize it as a league and, our, and the player, like people don't want to come to Spurs because they want to play international or they want they want to stand for their country, I think that's that's going to be a huge, huge problem for for us to be able to um, develop. I mean, because I think a lot of people do want to play for their their country and. Um, but I don't think that ever happens. If, if, if this is ever a, an acceptable league, I think it needs to work within the structure. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm not opposed to the idea of having some other, like, oh, okay, we have some other competition that we find a way to squeeze out a few matches a, a year uh, where the, the, the highest-powered uh, clubs in the world play one another and and we all get excited about like uh some kind of competition but when we're talking about a league that's uh um going to be taking those teams away from their own league competitions or other cups or um um it's just too congested you're shutting down uh what I think we all love about the sport but uh, Lucas I I think you're going to uh, answer the uh, where I'm going best so go go ahead and take it from here uh mine would be to answer the question, like the reaction from this supporter would be, I'd be absolutely stoked about it. I'd be hundred percent in. If we were the only one that wasn't part of this, I'd be like, good, fuck them. Let them go. Let them have this disaster of a league. Let them go be part of that. Maybe we can rake in some trophies in the meantime. I'll suck those up. And yeah, it's again, to me, this whole thing started with United when this was like back in the twenty. This was right after Ferguson left and United had been pushing for like some super league because they were pissed. They didn't make champions league. And I'm like, well, the obvious answer is go fix it, get better, prove it on the pitch, correct yourselves, go make the champions league. But they were just like, no, no, we want a super league. And it's like, to me, that's the thing is there's, there's no merit to it. The super league, there's zero merit to it. It's just about how much money do you have? Are you good? Eh, no, but we're rich. It's like, well, that's what honor is there in that? I'd rather win the FA Cup. <laughs> I'd rather win the League Cup. Like, I'd rather win something where we've earned it than, and and to think that we're not going to be the punching bag in this league. By the way, like every other team in this league, if they wanted to go get Hoybeer, they would have bought Hoybeer. They wouldn't have traded Walker. Like, we're the only team that does business this way. The other teams in this proposed Super League do not do business the Levy way. So, I, I mean, it's going to be a rough going. But again, there's just no honor. There's no merit. There's no integrity to it. I, I hate everything about it. And again, to answer the question, if the other five went and we stayed, I'd be like, 100 years from now, we'd be looked on with honor being like, oh, they were the ones that to dare was to don't. <laughs> 
I like that. Lincoln. I like that. That might be an episode name for this one. To dare. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> love it. To dare is to don't. I like it. Uh, there we go. But uh, great response. But uh, Sam, uh, Tommy, do you guys have any thoughts here? Uh, let's go to Sam first, I guess. Um, I mean, I would not be disappointed if we were left out. I mean, I, I for one, thought we were going to left out when the very idea started when United didn't make the Champions League. Um, so at this point, you know, with our stadium being better than a lot of other teams and us having the resources we have, um, you know, I'd rather be at the top of the English game than the top of this uh, European Super League, just for the very fact that, you know, like Lucas said, we're, we would be the punching bag of this league. You know, we're, you know, we're already like of the English teams being considered other than Arsenal We're that's, we're second to last there. Um, so, and all the other teams, you know, they want a player, they go get them. We're not that kind of team. And, um, so yeah, I, I'd rather stay in England uh, or and stay out of this uh, ESL Euro- European Super League. Well, Tommy, there has been some news on this, and you can give your your opinion first if you want to. But I I, I know there was uh, that you had looked up some information prior to the podcast that you wanted to share. Yeah, um, well, I'll just say my piece first. So the I. I'll just say this. So I remember reading J.P. Morgan Chase, one of the heavy hitters in the banking industry. Um, they're putting a lot of, they're planning to put a lot of money into this. So they're ready to go if they need to. But in my opinion, they're if push comes to shove, they'll do it. But right now, they're trying to use it as a bargaining chip to get a bigger piece of the pie. Um, so. And here's the other thing, like Spurs, they've been kind of flirting with in Europa League spots for the majority of my Spurs fandom. You know, we've been in Champions League for the majority of the past decade. So, I mean, do I think we should be in this top six? I, I, I don't know about that, but I think another reason why Spurs or and Spurs are also in the G14, which is like the heavy hitter group of Europe where they have club representation. Um, But the other thing is the other reason why Spurs are part of this is because of Daniel Levy. Hate him all you want. The man knows how to negotiate. He knows how to bargain. He knows how to get his way if necessary. So I think that's another reason why he was brought in. Because let's be fair, Real Madrid, their man or their chairman, Florentino Perez, he just spends money like crazy. He probably, the only bargaining chip he has is the actual club name and people want to go there and win shit. Um, I think Joan Laporte, I think he's still the chairman of Barcelona. They spend cash like it's going out of style. And because of that, they're so poor, they can't even pay attention. That's how bad it is. So like, they want to be fiscally responsible and they want to, actually get some changes in their favor, Daniel Levy is probably going to be the one to get this going for them. Um, As Anthony said, 
Oh, actually, we should actually thank British Rick for this. He actually posted an article. Um, <clears throat> one of the big things right now, <clears throat> excuse me, is TV rights. BT Sport and Sky both separately said that they're not going to, pretty much not going to do it. So BT, they put a statement on Twitter earlier today. They said, BT recognizes the concerns raised by many of football's leading voices and fans and believes the formation of a European Super League could have a damaging effect to the long-term health of football in in this country. As a sport broadcaster showing Premier League, UEFA Club Football, and National League Football, as well as being lead partner for all the home nation's football teams, we strongly believe that football makes a significant positive contribution to people's lives at every level, and this needs to be protected. Um, Sky said something else. Oh, whoops, you know, there it is. Sky had a statement as well um, three hours ago as a recording. In the last 24 hours, Sky Sports has passionately articulated the views of football fans on the importance of preserving and sustaining the whole football pyramid. We are completely focused on supporting long-term football partners in the UK and Europe, already providing fans with the best live action with the best football competitions in the world. And we have not been involved in any discussions with the proposed breakaway European Super League. So that tells you, so if there's two heavy hitters in Europe, not allegedly not wanting a part of this, this leaves the Super League in a big hole. Um, I did read rumors about DAZN, spelled D-A-Z-N, um, in America, they stream like boxing for the most part and some other sports, but it, they're a heavy hitter in terms of streaming in Europe. So they might be the one to pick up the pieces and pay a pretty penny. But the other argument is it might be like Christian might know. Um, it might be like the ITV crash of the early 2000s where they pay so much money. Nobody fan, like fans, they know like they're getting fucked, of course. And they're the ones going to be left behind. So like, if they don't show up and they don't either attend or watch, they might get bankrupt because of this. If this, co- if they actually, for argument's sake, do get this TV contract. So, I mean, there. So because of that, there is a lot of moving parts, and some people are sticking to their guns. Um, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah, no, great points there and, and great research there, Tommy. I definitely appreciate all that. Definitely adds a lot to the conversation and probably a good way to roll into this, which it, it doesn't take you off the hook yet, Tommy. Uh, we have another question from Kyle Mates that I think also kind of talks about some of the barriers to this uh, Super League uh, um, with the uh, yeah. FA sanctions. So, so Kyle's question is, do you think the FA will come down with sanctions at all? So for those who don't know, um, rumors are they might get kicked out of the Premier League. Um, they might get kicked out of FA Cup or Carabao Cup, points deductions, etc. Like there's a, they haven't explicitly said anything. Clearly they're mad, but we don't know what could come down. Of course. And I think that's the thing. Like when we're talking about like these sanctions happening, um, whatever they are, or the media not wanting to cover this type of. Uh, event this money grab um and the fans are against it like i i have to question whether this is going to get off the ground or not and i i kind of hope it doesn't but my fear is that it will and and we're going to be yeah maybe it's better to to go back to kyle mate's first question maybe it's better to be 
um, in the inside group, but maybe it would be braver to not be and, and, and stick with the actual leagues that we love and the competitions that we like. It's just such a, a horrible thing to think about. This whole, this whole league is just such a devastating, um, situation. Um, but, um, I think, uh, we should probably go to final thoughts on the, the, uh, super league before we, uh, go to half. So Lucas, let's go to you next. <clears throat> so again, so something I would like to bring up is the fans. We don't always know what's right and what's best for Spurs. That's a given. But if you were to tell people, we're going to, we're going to tear down White Hart Lane and we're going to build a new stadium. A lot of people would have been upset, but a lot of people would have understood the process and how that's actually going to benefit us. And it has, and we've done everything right to build a new stadium. So if you had said, we're going to tear down White Hart Lane and build a new gaff, everyone would have been like, all right, we're 50-50 on this. So far, I haven't heard one person that's given me a single reason why they think this is a good idea. If you were to start a poll right now among all Tottenham fans, and that's why I brought up the Y word, because they at least pulled the fans. I'm like, on this, I'm like, does, is there anyone that thinks this is a good idea? No, not I, me. I, not I, can't, I can't think of one. And I might know, <laughs> including you lot, I'm like, I know a lot of Spurs fans. So I'm related to a lot of Spurs fans. I'm like, I don't know a single one that's like, yeah, you know what we should do? This Super League. I mean, it just sounds like a mess. I, I, ugh. Yeah. There's your episode title. Ugh. Yeah. I, I, I think we're going to dare to dare is the don't for sure, but <laughs> eh is my feelings on the matter <laughs> for sure. Like it's just it's gross to think about. It's it really yeah, is. it really is. And and real quick, it how how special did we all think the Marine game was? Now also we got to smack them five nil, but like we all we all knew how cool that game and that moment was. And us being the only F, like, ever team to win the FA Cup that was non-FA, like non-league side to win the FA Cup, like that was super special. So I, I think that we're, we're just going to lose all of that to make a couple guys a couple more billion dollars or whatever. To me, it just feels gross. And again, I haven't found a single Spurs fan that thinks that this is a cool idea and that they're in on it. Yeah. Well, uh, any other thoughts on Kyle Mate's second question about the FA sanctions or, or just wrapping up the conversation in general about Super League? Um, well, I, I would say all day. I would say if they do sanction us, that's at least a bit of promise for some title wear. We could get some get some trophies. If we're putting League Five, we could get a few trophies on the way back up. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> Put that I, in your cabinet. You'll never sing that. <laughs> I uh, I truly don't think it think it's ever going to happen. I think it's, but I do think something like this break off is somewhat inevitable. That's the problem. So I think this is opening up Pandora's box in a lot of way. I don't think this Super League, as such, ever happens. But they are pushing for some kind of restructure, breakaway. But I, I agree with everything Lucas is saying. FA Cup is how many times Lucas have we watched FA Cup together, and I've been like, isn't this 
just the absolute best tournament. I mean, it's so cool explaining it to American friends that aren't into football. And you're like, yeah, you know, uh, Yeovil Town or whatever can win the FA Cup against Man United. Like, it's it's a really cool thing. And it's the literally the exact opposite. So it, Why is think, that woman with a wine glass six yards behind Jose and a gated fence? Because <laughs> yeah. the FA Cup. It's exactly what you want, and and um, I think I don't think this happens, but I think it's opened up huge, huge um, uh, further discussions and and what people that uh, to me Europe is like. Oh, they need the NFL. They need this kind of like you know uh, uh, ultimate money making machine that has just the best in the world in it. Otherwise, football's dying, and I don't think that's the case. I just think that. Uh, this is, you know, people with lined pockets trying to line them even more, and and that's a shame. That's always a shame, yeah. Um, uh, well, um, I think this is probably a good place to wrap up this because we could talk about this for two hours, and this is new. Um, I'm sure later in the week there's going to be tons more information that we haven't even been able to cover. Cover. Uh, a lot more is going to come to light on this, and I'm sure we'll have more to talk about even on next week's podcast. Um, this super super league conversation is not going away, um, and certainly like uh, our first conversation about um, Mourinho being sacked is uh, is going to be a topic of conversation moving forward to us. So uh, a lot's happened here. It's been a ridiculous week for Spurs and for the the whole sport in general. Um, and there'll be a lot more to be said about it in the future. But I think we have two games to preview in the second half, so we have to move this conversation along. Um, so, uh, as I said, uh, we're going to preview the uh, the Premier League match against Southampton on Wednesday uh, in the second half, and then we have a lot to say about the League Cup final um, on Sunday. Uh, but first, we're going to go to our halftime segment, Luke's Locks. All right, <clears throat> ready for some free money. So, I'm going to start with an easy one. We always know a sacked manager means instant turnaround. So, goals aplenty in Saints and Spurs on Wednesday. Overs two and a half, that's an easy lock. We're going to take the over. Mason and the boys, the new squad, is going to try and come out and be everything that Jose wasn't. They're going to be attacking, which means we all know how our defense does when we're attacking. They let up a lot of goals. So, I'm not saying we're going to win, but definitely take the over two and a half. Next one, Liverpool, minus one and a half at home next weekend against Newcastle. Again, layup because of the way today went down. Liverpool dropped points today against uh, Leeds at the very end off a corner. So, they're probably going to be taking that out on Newcastle. No love lost for the Geordies on that one, but take Liverpool minus one and a half. Next one. Now they're over here. West Ham at home against Chelsea. West Ham, free-flowing, got goals in them. Chelsea likes to win, got goals in them. Easy layup, rivalry game, two and a half, take the over. And your fourth one, and this is the big one. We are, Spurs are plus one and a half at Wembley for the League Cup Final. We're going to win that, so money line that. 
Don't take the one and a half. Take the money line. We're going to win in 90. And that's your absolute take it to the bank. Sell the home. Put the mortgage on it. Spurs plus one and a half. Forget about it. Take the money line. Spurs. League Cup final. There's your Luke's Locks of the Weeks. Let's go get rich. Well, thank you as always, Lucas. I, uh, um, I've got to start gambling because uh, it, it seems like uh, your numbers are doing pretty good, as far as I can tell. <laughs> we're, 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 what do you think covers my bar tab at the Atlantic? <laughs> Luke's Locks. Well, covers th- Tommy's rent check. Well, thank you so much for the, that, and I, I like the the light and loose halftime segment that isn't so. Uh, um, like we we can look at the league in general and just say, hey, there here's a way to make some money. I I, I think that's sometimes a fun way to look at the sport for uh, for a change. So thank you as always for that segment. But we have um, uh, two matches to cover here, so I'm gonna do. We're gonna talk Southampton, which is this Wednesday. That's just two days from now, um, and. Um, uh, I think we're going to spend a little bit less time on this because we really have to spend some time on the League Cup final. Um, so um, let me set it up real fast, and then we'll dive right into it. So uh, so we take on uh, Southampton at home on uh, Wednesday. Uh, that's 2, 2 p.m. here in Chicago. Uh, they currently sit 14th place in the league with 36 points. That's 10 wins, 6 draws, and 15 losses. Uh, most recently, they had a 1-0 loss to Leicester away in the FA Cup. Uh, so they got knocked out of the FA Cup this uh, weekend. Uh, prior to that, they lost to West Brom. They lost to Burnley. They beat Bournemouth in the FA Cup prior to that. And then they lost to Brighton prior to that. So they are losing to bottom-of-the-table teams right now. Um, upcoming, they do take on uh, Leicester at home on Saturday, May 1st, following us. Um, their top goal scorer right now is uh, Danny Ings. Who I th- is he questionable, I think, still? Or has he be- been back? Uh, uh uh, but James Ward-Prowse and uh, Che Adams are behind him with seven. Uh, Ward-Prowse is the top assist man with five, and Ings and Ch- Adams both have four behind him. Ward-Prowse is the top-rated player with 7.26, and uh, Janik Vestergaard is behind him with 6.97. Last five times we faced them. Um, Southampton, uh, we beat them 5-2 in September. I think you'll remember when we were kind of on a, our high on, on Jose. Um, we faced them the two prior times in the FA Cup. Uh, we beat them 3-2 in February uh, 2020, and then uh, um, we drew them 1-1 in uh, uh, January 2020. Um, we also faced them in the league in January 2020 and lost 1-0. And if we go back to September 2019, we beat them 2-1 at home. So um, um, they're a team that can give us a little bit of trouble at times, but we tend to find ways to to handle them for the most part. Uh, how are you guys feeling on this match in general? Uh, Lucas, you have your hand up first. Um, so a big one is Kane. Uh, we're probably not going to have Harry for this, but... Again, like I threw in in the segment there with Luke's locks, I think that we're going to go forward, and I wouldn't ex- wouldn't be shocked to see Bale start here. I think this new regime is going to try and be about be everything that we weren't under Jose. So throw numbers forward, just try and outscore teams, and I think that'll work to an extent against some of these teams. Like I hope we don't play that way against City, but 
Um, yeah, I, I think that we're going to score some goals. Um, and I think that Kane, what we know about Southampton is this. Denny Ings, always going to score against us. Always. Ward Prowse, always going to have a set piece that either goes in for a goal or sets up a goal. That's going to happen. So let's try and do what we should have done against Everton. We probably should have been doing for the last several games. Let's try and outslug them. Let's make an open match and let's see who wants to score the most. If we do that, even without Kane, I think we walk to like a 5-3 win on that. Well, and I think uh, the, the, the new coach does benefit us here, regardless of uh, whether Ryan Mason is just uh, uh, throwing shit at the wall and seeing if it sticks. I, I, I think the, the change-up is what this squad needs right now because they clearly – the, the defensive plan, the, the, the score a quick hard goal with Harry Kane's talent and then sit back on that laurels and try and hold on to that lead is not working. Um, and whoever takes over is not going to have that strategy in general. It's going to be, we're just going to go back to basics and, uh, and try and play the game. And basics for us is we're an attacking team. Uh, and, and we haven't played like an attacking team in forever. Um, let's go. Tommy's rubbing his forehead. So I'm going to put him on the spot next. Uh, no, he, he he's telling me no. So let's go to Christian next. Uh, yeah, I think I think we'll be throwing everything at, at Southampton. I, I think it's a high-scoring game. I think um, Southampton have always been good at catching us on the break. They're always um, they they've always been creative. They've always had a chip on their shoulders about Spurs. I think Bale might get the start going against his old club, and he always plays well against them. Uh, I, I think um, I think that still though this is uh, a somewhat conservative game, knowing what uh, is coming on Sunday. So uh, I think we definitely throw a lot at him. I don't think Kane sees any of the pitch, and I wouldn't be surprised if maybe even Sonny sits. Uh, I, I could see us um, pushing a lot forward but keeping Kane and Son healthy. Uh, what I want to see more than anything is I, I want to see true unity, like true, okay, listen, what you see when a manager goes from a team which is really fighting and digging in hard for 90 minutes, which we have not done. We haven't done it all. At Crystal Palace, when we got late winter, was the only time I saw true, like, dig in from this team, grinding out a win. Like, And I don't, I don't want to see them grind out a win. I want to see that for 90 minutes where they just absolutely... Wait, you know, Palace. Eh, sorry, Palace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, wait, wait. I, uh, Palace, we drew 1-1 one, one away, and then we smacked them. Uh, uh, sorry, Palace when we got the late uh, equalizer, wasn't it? No, in in the fall we we had we went up one and then blew it in the 80th. Who was it that we uh, grinded out the wit against early on? Oh, Brighton. Brighton was we had the two one with the bail yeah. goal and sorry. yeah yeah yeah. So Brighton and, and oh and on West Brom away was when we got the yeah. So I want to see those that, were the grinders that kind of performance the grinding out the you know no ego everything left out on the pitch like people working for their spots for sunday you know there's a lot of people that are like shit am i gonna play on sunday so you know i'd, I'd like to see that i think we're gonna see delhi maybe and yeah that could be the huge thing that christian brought up like we don't know who we're going to see next but let's go to tommy and you can respond 
Yeah, well, Chris brought a good point about playing for their spot now because, like, people are now probably going to be more motivated. So, for example, Ryan Mason, he knows the ins and outs of these players, or generally speaking, because he's been at the club. And like, when he was here, a lot of these players have still been here. So I'm thinking, like, whether it be Delhi, Winks, whomever, they're going to see – they're going to get playing time, whether it be – on Wednesday or down the line. So because of that, the other motivation is pushing for a Euro spot. Yeah, I know Lucas doesn't like international soccer, but I mean, a lot of these people do dream about playing for their country. So that, I mean, so because of that, like I told Lucas earlier today, I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a spike in performance and then eventually regress to the mean again, so to speak. But yeah, as Christian said, though, I do agree that we're going to see maybe a higher tempo game. I don't know if we're going to press. I can see we play a more free flowing and attack or relaxed or not relaxed per se, but we're not going to, it's more free flowing and we're not going to press as much, but it's going to be like similar to the Harry Redknapp days compared to Pochettino. And def and definitely compared to Sherwood, so I think because the players can be relaxed. Like I mean, I'm going to predict a win, but I I think just because they're not going to be on edge, stress levels are going to be less are not as high. Less, you know. I think the team will, regardless of who's getting chosen, they'll do well because of that. A quick point from Lucas. That then uh, we're going to have Sam start predictions. Uh, yeah, and, and so taken from both what Tommy and Christian said, I think Christian said that I liked was trying to prove, like I've been talking about how these games need to be auditions for these players. And Christian's point was just there that these are just not only auditions for your Spurs future, but they're auditions for this cup final. There's a lot of players that have been here for a while and have been in these cup final moments or semifinal moments or have been through all we went through trying to win the league. Like a guy like Delhi, it would kill me to not be there. If we do win, like I, I would want to be the guy getting that cup. I would want to be there celebrating on the pitch. Like, I, I think that's a great point. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said for wanting to be out there for a cup final for Tottenham. And, but to what Tommy said though, talking about Mason, I think one of the big things that bothers me already, and it has, I guess, for the last couple of years, is people referring to Ryan Mason as a club legend. Ryan Mason sucked. He wasn't even good when he played. That's a fact. I, I, we, we sold him to Hull. Like, he wasn't a great player for Spurs. So if you're someone like Kane or Delhi or Lamella, for example, if you're Lamella and Ryan Mason's telling you what to do, I'd be like, oh, okay, thanks, Hull. Like you got your skull cracked, and that's why you're a manager now. Otherwise, you'd still be playing. You're 29. I'm 29. So I mean, I, I don't I don't get the power that Ryan Mason's going to have over a bunch of these players that he's played with, and they all know that he wasn't that good. So where where's his like managerial authority going to come from in these games? I I think it comes from character, Lucas, because I disagree with you here, and and. and I think to like uh, Tommy, you you are a guy who loves to follow a player that's not necessarily good, 
but has heart and has character. Uh, Feels like a Dawson. Yeah, Feels like a I Dawson am, slam. Dawson, Dawson. Uh, I am not embarrassed by that, but yeah. No, but Dawson was good. Dawson was class. But I, I think Ryan. Good for us. But I think Ryan Mason has class, and I do think he has character that the the other players will respect. Regardless the, of how good of a player he was, and I agree, I he was not a that great was, of a fielder. But, I, I wanted but, to bring up a quick tidbit because I didn't know about this until after he got transferred. But like, there's a perseverance factor when it comes to Ryan Mason that I think everybody should respect in general. Because like, I remember he got cut from like the U16s, and he's just like, he just kept showing up and kept practicing, and then eventually, like, okay, you're back in. I'm like. He doesn't know when to. He doesn't know take no for an answer. So I'm All like, I heard was Wanker that got cut from the U16s. Well, let's be fair. It's a success That's story that he fought his way back and made it to the Premier League after yes. being cut from the U16s. That's what. But I'm also. Thinking. Uh, and yeah, that, and that's and the type of guy that's fair. Want coaching your team for a couple matches. <laughs> yeah, well, and also, well, there's two things with that. I mean, let's be fair. That takes a lot of guts to actually show up after you've been cut and to actually excel again and join. It's essentially getting rehired. That's You have to do a lot for that. But also, there's two things. Again, Great he doesn't players. get his skull cracked. He's not our, go- He's not our gas. Well, of course not, but that's besides the point. He's got an opportunity, and let's see what he has. I mean, I don't, I don't, I prefer that he wouldn't be permanent manager next season. I would rather have him keep honing his skills. But he's not going to manager. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying for argument's sake. I, I, I don't know, and I don't want this to turn into a Luke hates Ryan Mason session because again, just you and me. We'll, we'll talk. Late. We'll talk there. But I, I just, I don't get where. Where's his authority and his confidence going to come from? If you're a player, if you're Delhi, if you're Delhi, I'm like, hey, uh, I got us to a Champions League final with my epic assist and my perseverance. So what have you done other than score against Nottingham Forest in an FA Cup game? What have you done that's like... We don't know the pedigree that he has or the vibe he has in the locker room. We don't know his strategical prowess. We don't – there's – if that was the case, I don't think that Levy would be like, okay, here's the job even in the interim. So they must well, respect him in some kind of fashion. I but, think uh, I think they know that it's, it's Spurs, Spurs fandom is just going to worship him as one of our own. That's all we're going to do. It'd be like if you appointed Harry Winks manager. Right now we all think Harry Winks blows. But like, if you gave it three years and put Winks as manager, we'd all be like, "Oh, he's one of our own." Pure Tottenham, born and bred. Like, it's it's that's well, kind of what I think Levy's move I, was. I, I want to make the point that sometimes a, a, a player who's bad can still be a good coach because of of like a, a guy like Mason like, who doesn't like have Jose Mourinho. Talent. He was not he, a good player. He had to learn to play the game to be able to compete at even the level that he competed at because he wasn't that talented. I think sometimes the lack of talent makes get him a better better coach because you're able to impart how to people bring people to the next level. Tommy wants to jump in here. Okay. So I have two quick points. It's very rare aside from like Pep Guardiola, Franz Beckenbauer, Johan Cruyff, Zidane. I don't know if he was the greatest or a great manager. He got Germany to a third place in 06, but they had a, already a stacked squad. That's my argument, at least. But um, 
I mean, it's very rare that you see a great player become a great manager. So it's usually the exact opposite. Those who can't do, or those who do or can't do, they actually teach it. So, well, <clears throat> excuse me. So, I mean, we'll see how these games go. I'm, not, I'm I mean, even if he does well with these handful of games, I'm not going to be like, hey, this guy's great, hire him on. But the other argument, though, Lucas, is I bet I would not be surprised if Ryan Mason does the uh, Harry Redknapp approach. Very general instructions, stay in these kind of areas, you know, crash the net, sit back, whatever, and that's it. And then let everybody else do their thing. Because let's be fair, we do have some talent attacking-wise. So let them, I think, and I think that's actually beneficial to Ryan Mason because of the potential authority factor where nobody would listen to him. So, like, if he gave out general instructions, it might benefit him because of that. And, Tom, again, we're, we're going to move this on. Anthony, 100%, we're moving this on. My whole point, 100% agree that you don't have to be great to be a good manager. I'm just saying the fact that he played with a majority of these guys is where I'm concerned. Because it's like I played football in college. Peter, if you're listening, take a shot. Yeah, like, we had guys that then became our, like, staff assistants and stuff like that. And I'm like, you were the shitbag left guard that couldn't make a block last year. Why would I listen to you? There's stuff like that where that's the only thing that worries me. But I hope you're right and that Ryan Mason just allows them to be who you are and say, hey, go be the best version of what you are, and we'll let that play out. So I think that has us beat Southampton 5-3, which could probably lead into predictions. (laughs) Okay, good. 5-3, who's your goal scorers? I got two from Lucas, one from Lamella, and two from Vinicius. Okay. Uh, we filibustered Sam, so we're going to go to Sam next uh, for his prediction. All right. So I think I am going to go um, 4-3. I think uh, Lucas gets one. I think um, – um, uh, Vinicius gets one as well, and I'm going to go with a Brace to Lamella. Brace to Lamella. I like the sound of that. That would be an interesting uh, outcome. And Lamella, a player that's played with Ryan Mason, so interesting. Uh, but let's go to Christian next. I think uh, 2-1, uh, Lucas and Vinicius both get one. Uh Tommy? I like where everybody's head at. Head is at. Um, I predicted three one. I got Mora, Vale, and Vinicius. I like that as well. I think this is going to be like uh, we're still going to have defensive woes, uh, uh, so we're definitely going to give up goals still. But I think uh, um, wh- whoever's the, Ryan Mason at the helm, we're, we're we're going to score some goals because he's going to let people to go free and play the way they want to play. And Harry, well, Harry won't be there, but I think we'll, we'll see Son and Bale um, doing their thing. Um, I think it's going to be a 3-2 win. Um, we get a goal from Son. We get a goal from Bale. And I am going to say that we get a random goal from, uh, uh, we'll give it to Ndombele. I think that Ndombele gets a goal in this one. Because uh, we haven't seen none, and he wants to go on the attack, and I think a uh, new coach will let him go on the attack. Um, 
Any final thoughts on this before we talk about the, the main event coming up this weekend? Let's roll into the main event. So this weekend we have the, the League Cup final. Uh, this is a big event here in Chicago. Atlantic Bar, we're expecting to hit capacity if you're here local and planning to come out. Uh, definitely respond in our Facebook group to let us know that you plan to come out. We're going to try and get overflow space if we think we're going to hit capacity, which it looks like we might. Um, so definitely uh, communicate with us through the uh, the Chicago Spurs group and let us know that you're coming out. Um, but we are taking on Manchester United, so the league leaders, who currently sit first place in the league with 74 points. That's 23 wins, five draws, and four losses. Um, this will be a 10.30 a.m. match here in Chicago. Um, the bar in Chicago will open up at 9 o'clock, uh, so c- come out at uh, 9 o'clock, uh, hour half. There should be breakfast specials and things. Uh, uh, pay attention to your social media accounts to, to find out more information about that as it comes up. Um, but um, most recently, Manchester City t- uh, had a 1-0 loss to Chelsea away in the FA Cup, getting knocked out of the FA Cup, so they no longer have to worry about that competition. So they might be looking uh, with a little bit more heavy panting towards this cup. Um, prior to that, they beat Dortmund in the Champions League. They lost to Leeds. Uh, they beat Dortmund in the, the first uh, leg of that uh, Champions League round. And then they beat Leicester prior to that. So they are on a fairly good run other than that Leeds uh, anomaly. Um Prior to playing us, they do have to, a midweek match on Wednesday as well, taking on Aston Villa away. Um, and after us, they ha- um, since we're not in Europe, they have a match that they have to think heavily about after the, the cup final. And probably the one that they're more concerned about because uh, they haven't won it recently. And that's the Champions League uh, um, match against PSG away. So, um that could be uh, one where uh, Pochettino is uh, doing us some favors by uh, taking uh, City's mind off of us, but uh, but still we're talking about a very good team here. Uh, their top goal scorer right now is Gunduan with 12. Um, uh, Mares and, and Raheem Sterling both have nine behind him. Top assist guy is uh, Kevin De Bruyne with 11, and Sterling is behind him with six. De Bruyne is the top-rated player as well with 7.75, and Gundogan is behind him with 7.69. We haven't even gotten to their bench, which uh, we may see some of in this match, which has some significant talent as well. We know how good these guys can be. They have everybody that money can buy. Um, but do we have enough heart to uh, to to pull a miracle out in this with uh, with Jose uh, in the rearview mid- mirror is is this our chance to uh, to, to to shine in a, a cup final uh, what do you guys think um, Lucas you got your hand up first so kind of like what you just touched on there there's it's a very interesting conundrum I guess is does City care about this game? You could argue, of course they care. It's a League Cup. It's a final it's a trophy. But I'm like, Pep has won this, what, three years in a row? And Pep wants that Champions League. It's the only thing he hasn't done yet with City is win that Champions League. Um, so I think their attention will be on Wednesday's game for the Champions League semifinal. Now, that being said, 
that could prompt a bunch of players off their bench to be in this game. And that doesn't make me feel very good at all. Because like their bench is terrifying. I was watching them play against Dortmund in the second leg of the quarters this past Wednesday. And when they were already up a goal and didn't need to score anymore, they brought on like Sterling and Jesus. And like, like that's who they bring on. When we're in need of a goal, we bring on Lamella and Sissoko. When they don't even need goals, they're bringing on guys like Sterling and Jesus. So, I mean, their bench is about as high caliber as any Premier League starting squad would be. So, I think that it's just going to come. It's going to come down to like you mentioned with the heart thing. I think it's going to be: Do our players grasp how important this is? Do they get how important it is, especially them? Like, they haven't won a trophy. Like, but to us as fans, like, that's even more important. And the scary thing is they didn't really grasp how important that North London derby was a couple weeks ago. They didn't grasp how important that Europa game was that could have sent us into the quarters and then the semis. So uh, I don't know. It, it's just – it's a very – there's a lot of balls up in the air, I guess. Um, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how this one plays out. Yeah, well, let's go to Sam next. Yeah, Anthony, it's like uh, what you and Lucas were saying about their depth. You know, they could easily sit Aguero, uh, Sterling, and um, De-, De Bruyne on the bench. They're still a much better – I still they feel like they're a better team than us. They still have players that can carve up just about any defense in the Premier League on both the creative and attacking end. Um. So I feel like for us to win this, I really feel that Harry Kane needs to be fit, be ready to contribute heavily. Um, uh, He is by far our best player, our best chance of scoring goals. Um, That's that's all I got to say about this match. Hopefully, hopefully we can pull it out. Well, and I think Son and Bale could be important to this this match as well, depending on how uh, things go. And I certainly hope uh, that Harry Kane is fit. I know we've heard some mixed messages about his uh, fitness and availability, but um, let's go to Tommy next. Okay, uh, so I don't know. We we're talking about heart, effort, and all this other stuff, and how important it is. I mean, you know. Three of us have been long-suffering fans the last time we saw a trophy was 13 years ago. Of course, we want to win one again. Um, Let's make it happen. Um, Unfortunately, this is kind of like the Mighty Ducks playing Iceland, where we have to give it our all. I'm not saying we have to do trickery or anything, like a knuckle puck or changing out goalies, but like we have to be on our A game. We got to go kind of like Spinal Tap. We out of one of to ten scale, we got to play like play at an eleven. We like we if we're gonna win, we have to leave everything out on out on the field. We we no soda turned all that other hyperbole and uh, similes or whatever. So I don't know. Like depending on how Wednesday goes, I think that will factor into Ryan Mason's selection. I mean. Realistically speaking, Kane's probably going to start. Um, Son, I, I definitely want to see Lucas 
play just because we need that high effort where the players will feed off of his energy. I know he isn't great at finishing, but he does dispossess, can start off counterattacks. You know, if he can start that and then somebody else can take over and uh, facilitate, great. He like, like I said, or as I would say, uh, Lucas doesn't need to play a perfect game. The effort, the other people just need to pick up the pieces. I think that's going to be the, for me, that might, that would make or break the game in my opinion. So. No, I think, I think that's a good chat. Go ahead, Lucas. <clears throat> yeah, I was going to say, Tom, hey, Lucas Moore is finishing. We know that's class. I mean, look at his misses. I mean, he's got two sons. His finishing is A1. But it's his passing that we could probably say use could use a bit of work. But I kind of – I wanted to ask – that's a perfect thing, though, with what Sam said with Kane being massive in this game. If Kane can't be healthy, if he's not 100%, do you start him? Because I think that's the one thing massively wrong that we did in the Champions League final is we started Kane. And now I will never judge Pochettino for that because he was put in the most absolute – it's the winless position. You Either you don't start Kane, we lose, and you're the guy that didn't start Harry Kane in a Champions League final. Or you start him and we lose, which is what happened, and – Everyone's going to say, well, why didn't you start the guy that had a hat trick in the second half of the semifinal? So I, I would rather see us not make the same mistake twice. If Kane's not ready to go, put him on the bench. Put him on the bench in case it goes to penalties. Put him on the bench in case we need a spark. But if Kane isn't ready 100% to be Harry Kane, I don't want to see us do what we did against fucking Liverpool. And that's have a Kane just empty, worthless up top has no service, and I would rather see a Bale, Son, Lucas, Lamella, Delhi. Give me that. Like, But if Kane's not ready and he's not healthy, put him on the bench. Because like, I, I don't want to see a one-ankled Kane going limping around and costing us another chance at a cup. Yeah, let's go to Christian next on this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it, the season comes down to this game at the end of the day for me. This is, uh, we need trophy, we need to uh, fill the silverware cabinet. There's been too much just complete shit online. Just, it, it's the cloud above spurs, you know, so much money and managers and uh, turnover in the club. We need silverware. So it comes down to everything. So um, I think, you know, heart is what I say at the end of the day. Everyone's got to play like they know they need to win this game. If that means that we do have Kane and he's not 100%, if he's 50%, I agree, we don't play him. But if he's 85%, it's not even a choice. He's out there. And, you know, I'd love to see, um, you know, our. I, I want to see our 100% a lineup in that squad. I don't want. I don't want to see any fucking around whatsoever. I need Son, Mora, Bale, Kane, Endembele, Hoiberg, uh, Rodon, Reggie, Aurier, and Andewild in there. Delielli. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, let's, maybe that's what I was talking about. Who starts a keeper? Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, so, so I need to see like that lineup that everyone feels confident with but so do they and and they are they are going all right it's this is truly the balls to the wall test because 
if we lose this, we lose so much more than just losing a chance with a cup. We, this is a huge, huge knockback for the whole club. So um, I, I actually feel really confident going into it. I think that we're going to um, we're going to see what Spurs can actually do. The players, what they, how they really care about this club. For me, like I, as you guys know, I'm a relatively I'm a t- last ten year fan, which I guess still feel, to me feels like fairly new. Um, for me, I haven't seen us win a trophy. I have to go back that far that I I haven't seen the trophy. So for me, even this trophy would be just such a huge day. And I'm more so looking forward to the day out of this match, the the, um, meeting with you blokes at the pub and showing up like an hour and a half, two hours early and – uh, playing Spurs music in the background while we all have a good sing-along and just have a good time, win or lose. I, I certainly hope it's a win, but but win or lose, this day out is going to be a, a, a huge relief given everything that's going on, the pandemic, um, everything that we've, we've kind of struggled with, like, uh, like Pochettino falling apart. Jose coming in, it falling apart way faster than we wanted to due to the pandemic. This, for me, is the is the place that we can make it all better for at least a little while. I know long term, it's not winning the league, it's not top four, it's not any of that, but it's a trophy for the cabinet. It's a day out that's that they can't take back from you, win or lose. That that's what this is for me. This. Uh, this day out is what I can't wait for. Uh, Lucas? Well, I mean, you basically stole my thunder there. I was going to talk about the day out. And it might be the one thing that I have faith and pray is like our way in with Mason. Like I said, I don't know if I'm a player that I could listen to him strategically or telling me what to do unless it's go be who you are. But I, I think if there's one thing that Mason could give us an advantage over Jose for this cup final, it's understanding that day out. Um, Any of us that have been through the arrow here where we've been to a cup final and stuff like that, like this is our day. And win or lose, it's our day out. Everything about it going to Wembley, it's a big big deal. And it's our day. And like you said, Anthony, no one can take that. It's we wake up just – Everything you're just buzzing like it's our day, it's cup final day, it's us, and it's all us. And I think maybe, even though I would want Jose to be my my manager in a cup final, maybe this is Mason's shot. Is he knows what that means to us? Is like this is our day to get one over the line. And even if we don't, it's I cannot wait to see all the boys packed the Atlantic again, singing again. Like, this is a day that they cannot take away from us, even if we get beat by six, which we won't. If you listen to Luke's locks, we're going to win. But it's 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 our day, and I, I'm just – no Super League, no Jose out, Jose in, any of that banter. Like, there's nothing that's going to take. It's our day, and I'm just so excited to see us see it through. Uh, any final thoughts before we go to uh, predictions? I, I so agree with you, Lucas. Like, what – Day out is what this is about for sure. 
Uh, let's go to predictions, and we'll start with Sam first. All right, so my prediction is, um, I mean, honestly, like I'm, I'm looking, what I'm looking forward to most of this game is seeing everyone out of the pub, like uh, what Anthony and Lucas were talking about is the day out. I don't think that we're going to do very well, but we'll make it somewhat exciting. I think we lose 3-2. I give a goal to Kane and one to Son. Okay, fair enough. Um, uh, let's go to Christian next. Uh, I think we win 3-2. And uh, I think that uh, Bale scores the winner. And I think we get uh, one from Sun and uh, one from Delhi as well. I like that even more. That sounds better to me. Uh, t- uh, Tommy, let's go to you next. Um, yeah, Sam stole my thunder because I predicted the same as him. So, yeah. Same goal scorers? Yes. Wow, that makes it very easy, Tommy. But uh, let's go to Lucas next. Yeah, so we're going to win 3-1. Um, and it's going to be Lucas scores, Sun scores, and then Bale scores. And I think Bale's going to be like this weird winner that like is it's going to be like two one and edgy, and then the eighty eighth Bale's going to score some cracker. But if you think Gareth Bale came back to us at White Hart Lane for one last season, and he wasn't going to win us a cup in some awesome fashion, you're out of your mind. He was born to play for Spurs. That's the song. That's the way it is. He was born to win us this cup on Sunday. Cannot wait. Get in line early, boys. We're winning. Everybody jump on board. The train's back. We're in. <laughs> Bale scores the third, 3-1. And then we have some day out. <laughs> I love it. Um, this prediction is for you, Rick DeSera. I'm going to predict. 6-0. We win 6-0, yeah. Gone! <laughs> we get uh, two for Harry, two for Son, and two for Bale. And we just annihilate them and put them to bed, and they just like they're they're looking to the Champions League and uh, shake off their embarrassment for uh, from from their League Cup final loss. And I know that's never going to happen, but I want it to so bad. And I'm gonna th- that day out for me is going to feel like a six nil victory regardless. So that uh, that's why I'm going with six nil because my prediction is going with how I'm going to feel on that day and just to have have that excitement. Um, any final thought? We've had a lot of topics that we've talked about today. Any final thoughts on any topic before we wrap up this episode? Everybody is shaking their head, so I think that means I've got to wrap things up. So thank you so much, guys, for being on this episode. Great conversation. Uh, I hope the Super League doesn't happen. Um, I'm glad to see the back of Jose. Um, uh, I'm nervous about what we have moving forward in the temporary, but uh, but it, what an interesting week this has been. Um, but let's start with uh, thanks to Tommy for editing and sound, Charlie for the music, Kevin for social media, Lucas for Luke's locks, uh, uh, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. Can't wait to see everybody out there this weekend for the cup final. Um, hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast or give us a review wherever you get podcasts find our merchandise at Big Head Media 
um, you can find us now on uh, both Spotify and Stitcher. Hit the, um, check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Four Star Spurs and our website at fourstarspurs.com. Come on, Spurs.